All right, here we go. We're live on uh, on Meerkat and on the mics and on uh, Hangouts. That's exciting. <laughs> this is so exciting. This is the future, guys. I've never done anything like this. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Future Chat from Unwind Media. I'm Rob Attrell, and with me today is my co-host, Mike Attrell. Every week, we sit down and aim to bring you all of the week's greatest science and tech news. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and 30-day trial by visiting audible.futurechat.me. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from for your uh, iPhone, Android, or tablet. Nick Maddox, our senior contributor, is a man with a great beard and a great head of hair. He's in school right now, but I'm not going to ask him about it until the end of the show. So, Nick, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Yeah, I don't want to hear about school. I made that mistake last week. And uh, viewers on the live stream will have been bored out of their minds at the beginning of the show, I assume. Um, but luckily in the podcast version, I was able to clip it and I'm move sorry. it. I'm sorry. So wait, as they're talking about ultrasonic investigation technology, and that's less interesting than the varieties of technology speculation that you come up with every week. Are you asking or telling I'm asking. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. I doubt the legitimacy of your claims. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to go with Rob on this one. Sorry. No, but you, Mike, you were interested in fairness, but I, I was just in like, fairness. But in in fairness to our viewers, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It was it was confusing and pretty narrow, sort of niche interest. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and just say that. Uh, if there are viewers of this podcast, they have a they must have a very low excitement threshold. No, I think we we bring the excitement. And on the note of our new viewers, we have a <laughs> couple new viewers this week. Why don't you tell us about them? Viewers, possibly listeners? Yeah. Uh Mike, you go ahead with the uh the one we met through you. Yeah, so we'll have to give a shout out to Melissa and her friend Wei. And Abushek, we uh, we encountered them at a a mingling event for engineers and science minded people alike, uh, and so hopefully they're joining us this week, and we'll tell their friends about us. Sweet, yeah. And who's I the mean, other one? I'm not sure. I'd tell my friends about it if I listened to this, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, shout out to David. He is one of my classmates. And is actually listening to these, which is as heartwarming as it is shocking. <laughs> well, in that case, welcome. Welcome to these people who I've never met, but who yeah. share an hour or two of their weeks with us. Absolutely. Also, and uh, didn't publish this news, but exciting news out of Unwind Media. Oh? Yeah. Uh, we are now unionized. Oh no! <laughs> we have the union of Unwind Media Surfs, or sorry, Unwind Media Empire Surfs and or Peons. And which are you? Well, it could be either. No, but I'm asking you to choose. You want to be a surf I don't or have a to peon. answer that question under our okay. collective bargaining agreement. <laughs> Do I get taxes? Is that what this is? No, no. Union we just. Uh, 
Well, no, I'm not the head of the union, I'm assuming. <laughs> Obviously. I'm assuming I'm the head of the, I'm the You're emperor. You're the emperor. <laughs> You're the tyrannical emperor, which forced us to unionize. So, taxes, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, unless you want to force a work stoppage, not happening. Fair enough. Your, uh, your other coworkers are, are on record as being down for a work stoppage. Did you did you talk to all of them? Not all of them. <laughs> we okay. talked to two thirds of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, basically, <laughs> feedback is safe. Okay. Oh, uh, they're safe so it. far, or they've declined to join. So the far, union? they're safe so far. Okay. They're aware of the yet. union, but oh. they haven't officially joined by like giving us a shout out. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So just uh, Rob, you're on notice. I'm on notice. You're on notice. I'm the one that Big makes pardon? the rules. Do you know how organized labor works, Rob? I make the rules, and I say you're on notice. Oh. Hey, Mike, could we just uh, organize for like so five let's get minutes to of silence? Let's get to today's show, and then we can... <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Talk about In this. the voice of reason. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> like the mediator of this union. <laughs> Uh, so we have a couple pieces of follow up from last week, uh, and Mike, this should be of particular interest to you because we talked about the Pebble last week, their Kickstarter campaign that was wildly successful, and there's some new news out of Pebble. Uh, do you want to let us know what happened? My theory is that they listened to our podcast and took our advice, and they came out with a Pebble Time Steal that we all yearned for or at least i yearned for um and i need to make a clarification on my previous judgment of the pebble time because i was under the impression that the color screen was kind of a monochrome single color but it looks like it does have probably at least 16 colors yeah i think they said 64 was the okay color so i actually would based on what the pebble time seal looks like that is a watch i would buy wait 64 colors or 64 bit colors 64 colors Oh, that's much less impressive. Yeah. Well, it's for e ink. It's it's impressive. But, oh, yeah. for e ink. Yeah. Okay, that's all right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, they and I guess the way they they ran it is they released the Pebble Time first, got the backing, and then they released the steel and said, "Hey, if you want to switch over, you can." So, good on them. Yeah, and uh, they have raised a ton more money. <laughs> uh, they're now the best of all time and their the original pebble is the third best now they have over 66,000 backers and 16.7 million dollars raised which is quite impressive that is a tidy sum yes yes it is uh so mike you had said you wouldn't buy the pebble time but would you or did you get the steal no i haven't and i probably won't but i would if that in makes what sense. World? <laughs> in a world where money was no object and I could just well, frivolously purchase smartwatches. <laughs> in a world where Mike could purchase any watch he wanted. That's it. That, yeah. <laughs> Coming soon to a wrist near Mike. The Pebble. The Pebble Time Steel. Nick, if we're going to be getting you to do the Pebble advertisements, please get a uh, pop filter. <laughs> Wait. Pebble. I have like... Pebble. 
You don't have pantyhose within reach? What's wrong with you? You're not a real podcaster. In a world where I actually own a pop filter. <laughs> How was that? That actually sounds it, so much better. <laughs> Honestly, it does. Uh, okay, so, Mike, you still wouldn't buy it. I, I don't really know why you had a caveat. If you had unlimited money, you would buy it, because I feel like you'd buy everything if you had unlimited money. True. Um, but No, Mike's you a like conscientious, conscientious consumer. Yeah. You get a discount if you buy it now. That's true. I, I, I've considered it, but I just... The responsible part of me can't bring myself to to actually <laughs> purchase <enough>. one. <laughs> uh, so, in uh, in other watch related news, which Nick, you can probably safely tune out unless you want to be outraged. Oh wait, uh, it's the, the Apple, Apple Watch. watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is no, allegedly. I, I actually yeah. uh, read a story about that. The oh, wow. gold thing that I want to discuss. Okay, so I'll say the the Apple Watch is being announced allegedly, but ninety nine point nine percent certainly on Monday. Uh, this is March 9th, I believe. And I'm really, really excited. I honestly could not be any more excited than I actually am about it. I was listening, or I was watching, uh, apparently Eddie Q was at a Golden State Warriors game last night and was talking a little bit to press about Apple Pay and how if you have the watch on, even if you don't even have to use Touch ID to pay. You just It's basically a, a credit card. Like You just tap it on the payment thing and it pays. Uh, you don't need to authenticate in any way because your body is the authentication for it. And so because I have, I'm have, i having issues with Touch ID, which I've talked about before, and maybe we can talk about it again if you really want. But uh, So this would be nice. Not I would get the watch just to be able to pay wirelessly without having to. Like I could literally leave my wallet at home if I didn't need my credit card. Wait, are you still having issues with like the new iPhone? Because I, thought the, so, touch idea was, I yeah. thought the Touch ID was much better. So... As a true scientist, I've been doing experiments since October, September, October, when I got it. Have you been documenting um, it? Yes. Actually, of. where are your data I mean, files? No, my my experiments are my experiments are repeatable, um, so I don't really need to document it because I can just do an experiment whenever I want. I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I'm not sure I heard you right. So, Nick, I don't I don't really write things down. Uh, I'll continue by saying, I, Nick, I don't write things down. <laughs> can we move on? <laughs> I don't know that I can. You can. All right, well. Clearly you I'll have. Move on. What I'll say is I, I loved the Touch ID in the iPhone 5S, and over time it got less and less reliable for me. There are lots of people who have continued success with it every day. I now think... Because I had the same experience with the iPhone 6. For the first month or two, it was really, really great. And then it started to get flaky. And now it's almost impossible to train it just like it was with the 5S. So I think something in the coating on the sensor, which is apparently sapphire, uh, which has an oleophobic uh, fingerprint-resistant sensor on it, or uh, coating on it, uh, something in my finger, whether it be the sweat or some kind of acid or whatever, is getting rid of the oleophobic nature of that covering. So because I say, can't when you say oleophobic, you mean uh the fats and oils in your fingers that like it resists getting fingerprints all over it. So it's uh lipophobic. Fat resistant, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. And so that's that's what I think happens every time. Like if I if I clean it off really nicely, it can still read my fingerprint. But if there's a fingerprint on it, which mm-hmm. there isn't supposed to be, it's supposed to be fingerprint resistant. Then yeah, so it stopped working over time, and I think that's the reason. I was gonna say like you should try cleaning it with methanol and see what happens. I could try that, but I'd be scared of it getting worse, or I'd be worried about well, it getting I mean, worse. I'm not scared, but. Uh, I don't know. It's not really, I mean, it, I don't want to use a chemical on it is is basically like, I don't know what it would do to the coating. If it would just peel it off completely. Rob, I'm not talking about, so so I'm not talking about a chemical. First (sighs) off, you're like, yeah, I don't write things down. Why would I need to? Now it's like, I don't really want to use like unnatural chemicals. That's not what I meant. You didn't say unnatural. You said any chemicals. So you don't want to use anything. I don't want to use vinegar on it. I don't like. I just. I would rather not resort to using any Rob, sort of abrasive. It, it water is a agent. chemical. Did you know water is a chemical, Rob? Water is a solvent that I'm. I know for a fact they have guaranteed will not ruin a sensor because that would be insane. <laughs> In the membrane, just like I would use soap because <laughs> I know they wouldn't. I know they wouldn't make it resistant against soap, but I don't know they'd make it acid resistant. Well, like. How acidic do you think your fingers are? What are you Probably touching more during acidic. the day? Pretty acidic. I think my fingers are pretty acidic. Do you have some litmus paper? Not in front of me. <laughs> I bet Carolyn does. I bet she does. You should go Carolyn, ask if her. You're listening. Yeah. Carolyn, Rob needs litmus paper. <laughs> also, he's abandoned science in its entirety. <laughs> That's true. I, I kind of have, except for the show. So, Rob, tell us about this other piece of follow-up that we have. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for keeping us on track. <laughs> so, uh, Netflix. Uh, we've talked about Netflix many times in the past with reference to net neutrality, with reference to the kind of runaround they've had with carriers in the States, and how they were petitioning for uh, sort of rationality and not having to pay extra fees to... Uh, Time Warner or Comcast to actually get their services through. And uh, so the news was uh, in the week this week that Netflix was finally launched in Australia. And I was surprised to find out they haven't had it all along, but because they're a pretty big country and they're pretty important to like the world. Uh, Are they G7? Be, being part of the Commonwealth so, and being that large tends to afford you Large in terms of like land or population? Land, yeah. Well, because they've got the same kind of thing as we do going on where we have a lot of land, but not a lot of it is livable. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think uh, they would have gotten it sooner. If if Australia was an island just off the coast of the States, they would have had it already, but it's across the, the ocean. And I'm assuming Netflix didn't have a lot of servers there and didn't necessarily want to be streaming like through undersea cables. Uh, without having some sort of data center there. So I'm assuming that's why this has taken as long as it has. But the the point of this is they just were talking about how great net neutrality in the U.S. is and how the laws there are good. And now they have Netflix has partnered with one of the carriers in Australia to provide unlimited... uh, So, sorry, to have Netflix not count towards your bandwidth caps in Australia. And so people in the states are going, "Oh, Netflix is such a hypocrite because they they were so against net neutrality and now they're benefiting from allegedly non-net neutral partnerships." So I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on 
Uh, is it okay that they did this? Because I think it kind of is. I think they're kind of different matters. It's not, they're not necessarily paying for this. They're just partnered. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? So, um, my first thought is that I didn't get to talk about the Apple Watch thing I wanted to talk about. Okay. Apparently, they've got like a gold coating on at least one of the editions. The the body is gold. The the contour. Is it 24 karat gold, I think? No. 18 karat. 18 karat? It's it's not 24 karat because like they said something to the effect of, oh yeah, Apple's engineers have figured out how to get the gold atoms closer together. And (laughs) well, I don't think it's that. I think it's an alloy that's meant to be stronger. Well, that's that's the popular. Yeah. You know, like you didn't just like push them in closer somehow. Sure. (laughs) They can't they can't violate the laws of physics. They've added like an alloying element or something or perhaps. I don't know, made a pseudo ceramic and ionized the gold, which would get them closer together. But I thought that was really interesting. I'd be curious to hear what's uh, what's actually on the metallurgy side of that. And regarding yeah. Netflix in Australia, um, I don't know. It sounds like in the United States, uh, net neutrality. Like they were, they were lobbying hard for net neutrality. Yes, because. They're one of the things that the carriers hate. Yeah, because they use so much bandwidth. It's funny, like, ISPs hate this company. This company <laughs> wants to give you all the content for eight ninety nine a month. Like one of those <laughs> clickbait ads. Anyway, yeah. yeah, but it sounds like, you know, they're all for net neutrality when they are experiencing problems because of a lack of net neutrality. But once they go to Australia and a non-net neutral practice pops up that benefits them, they're all for it because they are, above all things, a corporation that wants to make money. And so, like, it's if it was political, I'd say it was an example of real politic. Right. But it's I'm I'm not surprised that a corporation isn't acting entirely on principle. Yeah, I think they're if they're gonna, they might push for legislation that'll help them, but they're not gonna push for legislation that'll hurt them. But they, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they would fight net neutrality because it doesn't make a difference to to Netflix, except that they would get more users if the if they partner with this company. It's not gonna make a. It's not gonna hurt them if, uh, if they didn't get this deal. Mm-hmm. If it's any- not gonna make it worse. It's just not gonna make it better. If anything, it's going to get the other people subscribe to the other service providers to go to their providers and say, so this company is offering Netflix with unlimited bandwidth. Why yeah. aren't you doing the same? Yeah. And then, you know, you might start seeing some accommodations from the other ISPs to to allow for gentler ceilings or, or that kind of thing. Right. Um, but as far as Netflix being hypocritical... I don't know. I don't think they're held to the same standard as, say, like, I don't know, Greenpeace. If they started, like, kind of being Clubbing hypocritical. baby seals? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, just, oh, here's some free baby seals for your Christmas party. Like, oh, thanks, guys. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they're so cute and cuddly. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, I don't think Netflix is the kind of company that you're going to start being like, oh, well, where are your ethics? Like, well... And it, yeah, it benefits them. So why would they fight that? Like, 
and also i mean the isp ugh, words isps in the states are getting i'm i don't know like it almost seems cartel ish in which they mm-hmm. don't compete in areas anymore yeah and they're i mean i'm not going to say there's price fixing but the prices are pretty similar it's kind of like the ISPs in Canada. Like, they're not really that different. Yeah. But, I mean, in Australia, there might there might be better market competition. Yeah. Yeah, I think once you start fighting what Netflix has arranged, you're choking competition. Because I think, if anything, this will encourage the other ISPs to try to do things to encourage people to go with them. Yeah. Sounds about right. Completely agree. Uh, so I put my secret story first because I wanted to get your guys's, uh, I guess I wanted to get your live reaction rather than, cause this is something that was in the news. So it was in my circle of news, but I don't think it quite filtered through to you guys. And, and I hope it didn't because that would ruin the surprise. Um, so basically what happened is, uh, over the last few years, science in Canada has been, kind of moving towards the what would you call it the the more closed off for profit kind of uh science and so in the past week maybe the past 2 weeks um legislation surrounding open access has finally come through and Ensirc <sighs> and Shirk announced that as of May 2015 any any project or research paper that gets NSERC or SHRC funding has to be open access within a year after publication. What? I think there might be, there are security implications. Like if they're protected or, or classified or that there, there are certain restrictions, but like in general, you can't give like military secrets away, but I mean like that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Yeah. Um, but I mean, in terms of an overall policy, it's just, crazy so uh in cihr has apparently had a a regulation like this on the book since 2008 but uh the other the other members of the tri-agency science council of canada have uh come through and all agreed to do this which is that's awesome i am so happy (laughs) i'm so so glad i got to tell you (laughs) i was worried that you would already know (laughs) when you first started talking i thought you were going to talk about taylorette and no, <laughs> I just. This is so much better. Yeah, I finally watched. Is this the open Taylor access? Video. As in, like, free or just publicly yeah, free. available? Free, free, and publicly available. Nifty. Yeah. Pretty That's crazy. Awesome. So, what was it before that they could have paywalls or just not release well, it at it, all? It, there were just, there was no requirement for open access. So people, some people did, but you didn't have to. Okay. That's like. My blog post on the NRC and the, how their hands are just completely tied, like that was a big issue. Yeah, yeah. So the, the interesting thing is that this wouldn't necessarily mean you could still get published in a journal that had a paywall, but the paper, the research has to be open sourced after a year. It has to be at most a year before it goes open source. But I think what you'll find is that most people will just open source it. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty exciting news. And and uh, so people, the one of the girls I work with, she's like three cubicles away from me, was a pioneer of this, um, getting us through and finally happened after several years of very hard work. Mm. I, 
I didn't understand how any story could be more important than the fusion story I have on the docket, but that <laughs> one is absolutely, I am much more excited about that one. Yeah. It, I, I looked at your fusion story and it's very exciting too, but this one, this one took it and I'm glad you are. I was thinking that I was going to get that reaction, but I'm glad I actually did. <laughs> I'm so happy, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> All right. It, do, is there anything you want to say on that? Do you want to like give an acceptance speech prepared on behalf of science or something that you could say, or do you just want to move on? I, 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 <laughs> I like the elation I feel right now. They're, they're, com they're not directly comparable, but when I found out that the Leafs had found someone to take Clarkson's contract off our hands, <laughs> like that's the last time I remember being this happy. <laughs> about, you know what I you thought know, you were going to say? Something not in my personal life. <laughs> I oh. thought you were going to compare it to when you heard about, when you first heard that there was such a thing as a sex selfie stick. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm glad this is the Leafs is more is more you. I'm I'm looking outside. The mountains are just a little more majestic. The sky's a little more blue. The sun's shining a little bit brighter. And my beard is a little bit bushier. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> All right. Uh so up next, Mike, there's a story here before we get to the fusion story, although I do really like it. Look at he's just so happy. I really am. <laughs> it's like there's a puppy over there. I'm glad there's, there's a story a... in between because I need to just like glow for yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So, Mike, what happened oh. with Hillary Clinton this week? So, there's been a lot of everyone knows how much scrutiny uh, our government officials are under as far as being transparent about their uh, their operations and their communications and spending and all that kind of stuff. And I think to some extent, it's it's a little harsh and unnecessary. The amount of scrutiny they're under you know it's like oh he bought like a box of donuts with taxpayer money like mm. yeah you know i guess that's not good but whatever yeah so the news this week has been that it's been discovered that hillary clinton never actually signed up for a official government email and conducted all her government business through her personal email that she set up on her own server um, and then was able to monitor or to kind of disclose or non-disclose whatever she felt like, um, as far as her communications, uh, work related. Right. Um, so I want to get your guys thoughts on if you think that the level of scrutiny is fair and if it's, this is a big deal. And if not, then why are we making it a big deal? So I think first off, um, every all you always hear about how the NSA is spying on us, and they they can read our email and listen to our phone calls around like the world, and us like, personally they, as Canadians, well, everyone like they they were oh yeah they could yeah. get anyone like they were they were apparently spying on Angela Merkel in Germany, and that was a whole <laughs> I think big Angela thing. Merkel is just a little bit more important than we are. No, but I, I'm not saying they are looking at us. I'm saying they could. They have the power to look at, to decrypt yeah, okay. or whatever, e everything. So I sort of, one of those two things can't be true. Either they are looking at everyone and then they should be able to just look at Hillary Clinton's email or they can't look at 
everyone's email. Like I, I don't see are, how are you going we're using your own email that? server. Sorry. Are you are you going anywhere further with that? No, no. I just I just think it's weird, and I don't think. Well, well, like I don't think the concern is so much the NSA. It's foreign governments that. I mean, I assume that for high level government officials like Hillary Clinton or Congress people in general, I would assume that they have a little more security concerns than say hotmail does yeah so i mean i could see that being a reason for concern like you need to be on a more secure server for things that affect the nation like what like i think it's still the biggest economy on the face of the planet yeah this is this is mainly in the light of transparency versus security like really? I, I agree, I agree with you, but yeah, this is this is due to transparency because I guess anything that goes to the government servers does some sort of screening or record keeping or whatever. Yeah, and and they as far as the NSA aspect, I don't think that they're just going to say, "Oh, no worries, the NSA has all the emails anyway." Like I think that would cause more raise more questions than so that's the concern. It's worth yeah, so. As a backstory, Jeb Bush went a step further and said, hey, if you want to read my emails, here they are. And he set up a website that hosts, I think, select emails, not all of them. But he basically is, is trying to be an example and say, I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide in these emails right. I handpicked to be right. on my website. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the the intent of the action is, is still good. Um, yeah. I, I mean, but, I guess it's kind of it's almost like more sketchy that he's like, look, in the things I'm showing you, I have nothing to hide. Don't look behind my back. <laughs> that I was I was listening to they were talking about on, on The Daily Show and uh, they were saying that she her spokesperson or whatever, whoever it is that speaks for her in the press uh, was like, oh, we released we, we're, we've already given 55,000 pages worth of emails from her time. Uh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of pages. It's <laughs> like, it's like, oh yeah, that's probably everything. Just don't ask if there's more. <laughs> yeah. Well, and to kind of go further on the transparency aspect, I don't know if you guys saw in the news this weekend, I guess we don't have it on the, the docket, but may as well bring it up about the Ferguson police department with the department of justice. Yeah. They exchanged emails back and forth that were quite racist and yeah. inappropriate. Um, and I guess that kind of shows why you'd want transparency in communications, email specifically. And right. I guess if you don't have that with the government, then you don't know kind of how they're behaving behind closed doors, so to speak. Yeah. So. I, I understand the concern. I just, uh, I don't know. I'm, it, I'm a little bit baffled. Like, I it's get weird it. to me. I just don't understand this was raised like the, the people were saying this isn't a new thing, but people were saying that if someone's sending her an email to, to whatever her email account is, and it's not whatever government email address, somebody could have said, Hey, by the way, like I'm sure Barack Obama emailed Hillary Clinton at some point and didn't use her real email address. Like, what are you going to, 
what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, she's probably like, I'm Hillary Clinton. I ain't going to use no government email. <laughs> that is south? how she talks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, her, that's her southern New York accent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think this is as big of a deal as, uh, as people are making it out to be, but that, that's true of almost all media. Yeah. There's a lot of outrage, and you need sort of one big outrage per week in the news cycle. And this is the one. Is this your you, – I'm assuming you follow the CGP, CGP Grey model of media consumption. Uh, like if something's important after the news cycle, then follow it? Yeah, or like if something's really important, someone will surely tell you. Yeah, well, I, I pay attention more to the current events than that. But I, like, I will scan the headlines for it. I won't necessarily engage on the story. Okay. Unless it's, it's a, unless it's actually important, like it survived one sort of one scandal cycle. Yeah. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't recommend thinking you know, whoa, thinking you know what's going on if you've just read the headline. But right, you know, I'm absolutely an adv- advocate of reading the entire article as you can read about my blog on my blog vodka and equations um i don't know i've known people that are like oh yeah this is in the news it's like oh really what's happening i don't know i just read the headline it's like uh-huh that's useful <laughs> see that happens to me but it's yeah. the stupid stories not the actual news stories well usually yeah like usually i'll if it's if i don't care about it it's just like yep that's the headline not reading Etc. Yeah, yeah. For me, I think an uninformed opinion is a lot more dangerous than no opinion at all. As far as reading be. a headline it, and just that's all you read. It sure can be. Yeah. If you jump to outrage. Oh, Discovery News did like a clickbaity thing. I was outraged. Is that the dog one? Yes. It is the dog one. <laughs> that was so annoying. <laughs> the title, your dog forgets about you when you leave. And I was like, oh, Bailey would never forget me when I leave. That's a lie. That's a dirty face lie. So I clicked on it. And at the end, I was like, so do dogs forget about you when you leave? Not really. It's like, <laughs> then why did I click on this stupid video? Yeah. The comment section is pretty full of people complaining about that. I certainly <laughs> hope so. I should just unsubscribe out of all the righteous indignation yeah it's it's really too bad because in general they do a good job covering stories but that was a little ridiculous yeah that Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah the title should have been nothing to see here carry on (laughs) basically (laughs) or like dogs have very different memory structures than humans crazy right yeah all right, so uh, Nick, we're going to get to your fusion story, but first, <gasps> I want to tell you a little bit about Audible.com. So, uh, for you, the listeners of Future Chat, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Uh, so, you can find popular titles like Fifty Shades of Grey 
And you can also find books like American <laughs> Sniper and Alan Turing, The Enigma, that were turned into Oscar-nominated films. There's something for every taste on audible.com. <laughs> to download your free audiobook today, you can go to audible.futurechat.me. Again, that's audible.futurechat.me for your free audiobook. Oh my gosh. A Fifty Shades of Grey audiobook? Have you guys not seen that uh, that episode of The Office? There's an episode of The Office where Phyllis is listening to the Fifty Shades of Grey audiobook at her desk and just like rocking back and forth. <laughs> and uh, Rob, and then so they dump was... they dump water on her uh, to wake her up, like to wake her <laughs> to get her out of it. Rob, uh, that was probably like one of the greatest marketing things ever. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere from Fifty Shades of Grain to Alan Turing's Enigma. Like, yeah, that is that does span the bridge of like all the tastes out there. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how that comes out. I know I can I can cut out you laughing, but I'm interested to see to listen back to how I did that. I I really think you should leave in the laughter. We'll see. Maybe I'll maybe I'll turn the volume down on the laughter a bit. Maybe yeah. <laughs> but yes, thank you, thank you to Audible for for giving something for everyone. So Nick, on to something completely different. Uh, what's what's going on in the world of nuclear fusion? Well, I gotta compose myself for a moment here. Should we go to a second, another story again? Nope, nope. <laughs> okay, okay. Lockheed Martin, defense contractor. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so Lockheed Martin, big deal in the States. And interesting, just it's interesting in the States that uh, so much money flows into the military that they do get a lot of really interesting research and development out of it. Yeah. Like, do you remember the picture of the rail gun a few years ago? Like, there's this cylinder or something just firing out of the rail gun that's got fire and stuff all around it and they point out underneath it's like by the way there's no like actual explosion that's propelling that that's just like friction from the air that's igniting it's like wow it's really cool but yeah details so lockheed martin is developing a compact fusion generator the classic example is the tokamak thing uh which you can see about, or you can you could see at Canada's Science and Tech Museum in Ottawa, if it weren't <laughs> could, full yes. of asbestos, <laughs> which you can hear all about on the Ottawa podcast, part of Unwind Media. But yeah, so they've they've gone for it looks like an extremely scaled down version. So whereas in the bigger models, your Taurus is. I don't know, the diameters on the scale of meters. Yeah. But like this Taurus, they're gradually scaling it down, but it, it I'm kind of blanking on the scale a little bit. I think Mike has the article open. Maybe he can help, but it seems like the Taurus should be no bigger than your fist by the time they're done with it. But what that means is that it's so much easier to fit a bunch of stuff into a bigger pressure and a smaller volume because you mm -hmm. just have that much less to deal with. So it theoretically will be a much easier uh, much easier job of getting stable nuclear fusion going. 
Right. And so they've got like a three month turnaround time because of the scale of their reactors. So they can, mm-hmm. you know, design test or design build test several times a year, meaning that they expect to have actual commercial compact fusion generators capable of like, you know, being in an airplane or on a battleship. Well, I mean, you could have a conventional nuclear reactor on a battleship, yeah. but, yeah. uh, you know, like be able to have that power at your disposal in 10 years and for commercial power generation in the future. And the best part of the power generation part of that story is that their vision is that you can take these compact fusion generators and attach it to existing turbines. So you can just go up to a stupid coal plant like they have in the States or surprisingly Alberta, (laughs) just say, listen, (laughs) you can take the coal fire off generator off. Now you can just power this turbine with nuclear fusion. Hmm. So you can retrofit into existing infrastructure. Yeah. Which is awesome. Like that seems like the greatest idea. So just for clarification, it says the scale is the size of a jet engine. So 23 by 42 feet Ooh. is what they're saying. I don't I think that's the size off. of a so, jet so engine. a bit more than the size of your fist. A touch. I'm guessing that I looked at a picture and was like, hey, it looks so small without any sense of scale. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that is that is more compact than existing ones. It says it's 23 by 42 feet, but... What is that? What does that mean? Like, what is the whole thing? That's a great question. I, hmm. I just, I just like watched most of the video, but I, I don't know. It just says the the generator itself, like, yeah. In terms of generating it, it looks pretty. It looks pretty compact, to be honest. Uh, it doesn't looking look at like it now. I think big. the Taurus is just a lot more compact than it used to be. Yeah, they said it's ten times smaller than existing fusion reactors. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Have you seen the Taurus at the Canadian Science and Tech Museum, Rob? No. Oh, I've taken a bunch of pictures because I just honestly that museum. I was just running around like a child in a candy store. Like it was just also exciting. Hmm. Is is that place open? The museum. Because you I'll, mentioned about I'll, the asbestos. Is no, it, there's I'll asbestos d- and mold. <laughs> That's right. Because I remember in my Ottawa thing, it was like, wow. I mean, if it was mold, you could just joke that, yeah, just burn it to the ground. But it's full of asbestos, so it won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, there's, a, there's also a, a rocket that we got from the States that's sitting there pressurized. Like, it has to be pressurized to keep its shape sitting in this closed or outside this closed museum and so they have to decommission it and take it down and completely tear it apart because it's got military secrets in it um because the museum is no longer open which is kind of sad it's unfortunate yeah yeah it's not just kind of sad it's legitimately sad sad. yeah okay so Early reactors will be desi- are designed to generate 100 megawatts 
and fit in two transportable units that measure 23 by 43 feet. So you could put it on a semi-trailer, uh, and that unit would power 80,000 homes or a ship. So that, One like ship. the fact that the whole unit is 23 by 43 feet. And apparently it would only need 55 pounds of fuel to run for an entire year, which is, just shows you the, the benefits of using nuclear technology. I was going to say, that technology. does not surprise me at all either. Yeah. Like, it's... That's crazy. So we'll have to keep our eyes open because, yeah, so it says one one prototype per year sort of advancements. And then within five of those cycles, they think they can have something ready to go. It's pretty crazy. This 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 is the first thing that you hear about that could actually very easily solve a lot of the world's energy problems. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've been following, uh, what is it, the... Uh, National Ignition Facility, where they actually got a – oh, I'm sorry. This is terrible <laughs> radio. Um, they actually got a fusion reaction to generate more energy than was put into it by the, yeah. like, what, terawatt lasers they have? Yeah. Like, extremely short pulses. That's why they can get to terawatts. But Right. Like, this just – I I don't know. I, maybe I'm a sucker, but honestly, this sounds like it has so much potential. Yeah, it does. It really does. Like I have not actually believed that fusion was ten to twenty years away until this right now. Yeah. And because it's it's all based on military funding in the United <laughs> States, like green light for funding. Yay. So what was, I guess, to summarize, what was the advancement of this? Is it just the scale and the portability of it? Um, They said it's 10 times more powerful and a lot smaller, like more more compartmentalized. You could actually transport it. So why haven't we started looking at fusion before as a viable? We've always been looking at fusion. We we have. I mean, there's... How is this different? Just because the of the reasons size? I just said, it's what? smaller, but this the smaller scale makes it easier to get the self-sustaining fusion reaction. Apparently, either that or you know that's just very good marketing, and I am a sucker for really good marketing. Yeah, obviously we can't necessarily vet the science of a, a nuclear fusion reactor, but we'll see within within the five years, what they can come up with. If they get, if they get this prototype to get be a working model, then that will be proof of fusion. And we'll like, I mean, fusion is, is the dream where you get basically free energy forever. Mm -hmm. So 55 pounds of fuel for a year for 80,000 homes. That's like, that's like 30 kilos of fuel. Yep. That's nothing. <laughs> good, good conversion. Thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm also like they were saying. You know, the first ones could generate 100 megawatts of power, and I'm just, I've called up the, uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a live stats thing for the ener- energy generated in Ontario. Like it, yeah, it's live and it shows you the last 48 hours. We've talked about this before. Yeah. 
Yeah, we have the map. Or the the readings, anyway. Yeah, the graph. graph. So I'm looking at it right now just to put 100 megawatts in context. And for the last 48 hours, Ontario's biofuel plants have been generating 82 megawatts of power. And I'm pretty sure there's one, there's one near Kirkland Lake, which is a flex fuel kind of thing. You just throw something in and it'll burn. <laughs> and there's also the Atacocan <laughs> generating station in Northern Ontario, which I, it used to be coal fired, but they've started just using biofuel. Mm-hmm. So you could replace those generating stations with one fusion reactor. Huh? Yeah. Granted, yeah. you would need probably like a large facility of many of them to make a difference because like, I know right now in Ontario, we're getting 4,131 megawatts of power from hydro. And as always, 11,000 megawatts of nuclear power. Right. Or like 11 gigawatts. So it would take quite a bit to replace that. <laughs> quite a bit of these. Yeah. A number of these fusion. Reactors. I mean, uh, yeah. Like, I mean, you could probably, cause I think there are a couple generating stations that have several reactors on site. Yeah. yeah. So you could just have a facility kind of like that with a bunch of fusion reactors. Yeah. Yeah. It, Pretty it sounds totally doable. Oh yeah. And eventually we'll have an arc reactor. And I will be Tony Stark. I don't think you have the facial hair for it, Rob. I can very yeah, easily shave into that. Yeah, to go one. All right, I'll work on that. Mike could for pull fusion? it off. Yeah, Mike could pull it off quite easily. <laughs> We're great for fusion. All right. Um, so this, I, I have some, I guess, positive news from Bill Nye this week. Um, in his book that he just put out about evolution, uh, he made some comments about GMOs doubting their the science behind them, like the, the, the safety of the science behind them. And I understand that critical nature. Uh, for him being a scientist, him having dealt with quite a few people trying to put out bad science. But apparently he met with um, he went to Monsanto and had scientists explain ha- specifically how their GMOs uh, work and what sort of changes they're making to them. And he's ta- he's saying basically he's going to go back and in the second edition of the book be much, much more positive about his outlook on GMOs. Hmm. Which I just thought was pretty exciting. Uh, the original say, that was my question because <clears throat> I didn't know what his original stance was. Yeah, so, so the original like, stance he is said is good news or bad news. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, so what he said was originally in the book, uh, genetically engineering food is controversial as it should be. <clears throat> if you're asking me, we should stop introducing genes from one species into another. Although we can know exactly what happens to any organism we modify, we just can't know what will happen to other species in that modified species ecosystem. And what he recently said was uh, he went to Monsanto and spent a lot of time with the scientists there. He revised his outlook and he's very excited about telling the world. Uh, 
So I think part of me, like a very small part of me originally was like, how much did Monsanto pay Bill Nye? But I, I sort of think, <laughs> I sort of think that's probably less likely. I don't think he would, like, he's probably got lots of money. I don't think he needs to sell out to big GMO. <laughs> big GMO? I, well, Monsanto is. It's like, is, it's like okay, big oil. Big man. Monsanto, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Monsanto, yes. <laughs> But well, it is. He specifically went to Monsanto, and that's when he changed his outlook. So either that, or he got implanted with some kind of brain chip, and now he's a, a replicant. Is that the right word? Clone. Yeah. So, I, but I don't know what you're I, I'm talking pretty excited. about. This is this is a much more rational uh, outlook on GMOs, rather than sort of thinking as a baseline that this is dangerous. Think as a baseline, it's safe, but also be wary of possible yeah. dangers. Like maybe, make sure to test it first. Maybe they genetically modified Bill Nye. No, when no. He was there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, and this is a remote possibility. But hear me out. Maybe Monsanto sat Bill Nye down and said, "Hey, so we don't have a presentation for you, <laughs> but there's this great group called Future Chat, and they did a <laughs> whole episode on GMOs, <laughs> which we're going to sit here and let you watch now." Yeah. They talked some shit about us, but <laughs> overall, they got the right message. Ah, <laughs> oh, they sure did. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. Good on you, Bill Nye. Uh, up next, this is what I'm going to call our space station. Space. There's a couple of space, space stories. Sorry, before we move on, oh, I just want to say that with Bill Nye's uh, revision of his stance... I think that's just a beautiful illustration of science at work. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel exactly the same way. It's like, yes, new evidence was introduced. The evidence was evaluated and the opinion has changed yeah. as yeah. it should be. Yeah. Don't hold too tightly to your opinion. Hold tightly to evidence. And he got evidence. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as opposed, to, as opposed to some people. Who say things like, I don't need science to tell me what's good or bad to put in my body. <laughs> did, I, did I say that? Nick, Nick, we're not trying to alienate our new viewers, okay? <laughs> oh, Mike, they were never going to be our viewers. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore. <laughs> uh, all right, time for the space station? Space. It's <laughs> a really good intro for the space segment. Uh, Mike, why don't you go first? What's your space news? So, you know, we hear very, very, very often these probes that get sent out, these explorers, you know, they're sent out years and years ago, and now finally they're reaching their destinations and coming up in the news again. Um, so one that came up the past at least one, if not two weeks, um, was a probe that they sent to Ceres, which is a moon of, or an exoplanet, dwarf planet, I guess. Ceres, I believe, is the largest object in the Kuiper belt between Mars and Jupiter. Okay, thank you. Um, Wait, what? It's an asteroid. I think they're calling it a dwarf planet, though, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't. I think Sorry. it's the same thing. Okay. Yeah, it's a dwarf planet, but it's the largest object in the asteroid belt. Yeah, I've I've read it as being a protoplanet, that it's a half-formed terrestrial the, planet that yeah. that they're trying to learn more about. 
Um, well, the it? definition of a planet is that it has to clear out any debris from its orbital path, and it's in the asteroid belt, so it obviously hasn't. Hey. Yeah, I was um, going to say, isn't the Kuiper belt just a failed planet? Because like, there was that group of debris where Earth yeah. now is, because yeah. yeah. we actually got it together and picked that up. <laughs> yeah. Listen, series. <laughs> I'm calling you out. You've had a free ride for far too long. You know, you've had five billion out? years to become Mercury, a planet. Venus, Earth, Mars, <laughs> Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. It's not that hard. <laughs> so, um, what's the news? What's the news about it? So, the news is that the uh, the Dawn spacecraft has has reached Ceres. Um, it actually just reached it, I think, a day or two ago. And it's just lowering its orbit and will start collecting data and imaging series. I don't believe it's going to actually land. No, I don't think it's supposed no, to. No, I think it's going to have a low orbit and kind of check it out a little bit. Um, so it's exciting to be able to kind of explore in this way and reach out beyond our our own world. Um. And yeah, like I was saying before, they they see it as important because it can give them a glimpse into what Earth and just other planets may have kind of started out as before fully forming. It doesn't have, at least they don't figure it has a molten core. I don't think it has a rocky and then an ice water layer and then more rock. Yeah, right. So they're going to see if there's any sort of water evidence on the surface and kind of check it out. I guess there are two bright spots as they're approaching and they're excited to check out to see what it is i think right now they're saying it's either salt or ice yeah but we'll we'll find out soon enough i guess it would be interesting because right now they're saying it's probably just something with high albedo so it reflects a lot of light they don't think it's actually anything that power it's powering itself like a powered source of light it's just reflected right (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's not like a small city or anything no is what definitely not oh that's crazy yeah (laughs) I bet apparently, that was totally a hypothesis too. <laughs> apparently they had seen evidence of like water spouts from the surface. Ooh. Which are pretty cool. Yeah. And uh I don't know. Space is cool. Space. Space. <laughs> Nick, why don't you tell us about your space story? Well, my news from space is uh curiosity. It's uh hit a snag. <laughs> no, it uh, suffered a short circuit, which is odd given that there's no liquid water on Mars. But apparently it was like a basically like a breaker trip or something like that. So it is now sitting there with only one arm. And that's really the story. I just, you know. Right. I hope that's not typical. Apparently, it looks like there might be a fix available, but that is, I don't know, up to this point, I think that's the worst news for Curiosity so far. Yeah, definitely. They said it's transient. The short circuit. I was going to say, like, they said Curiosity is transient because, yeah, I'm pretty (laughs) sure, like, Curiosity (laughs) is the definition of a hobo right now. Yep, <laughs> kind of hanging out, being self-sufficient what, with the solar panels and all, like taking yeah. some samples, yep. digging around when it needs to. Yeah, series the lovable hobo. 
<laughs> Essentially Littlest just freeloading. <laughs> freeloading off of Mars. Come on, Siri. Uh, no, no, I mean... Uh, I don't know. Curiosity does work. It works hard. It definitely does work. I mean, it's yeah. not really... Doesn't show a lot of initiative. It has to be told what to do, but you know, yeah. Well, they were they were saying that re- this week there was news that th- there's evidence that uh, up to twenty percent of Mars's surface was at one point covered in water. Yeah, and that's <laughs> all curiosity. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. So, uh, best luck, best of luck to NASA and their project, Curiosity. Yeah. Wonderful. I don't know. How do we feel about anthropomorphizing curiosity? Uh, I like it. Okay. I really liked when uh, Randall Monroe and XKCD uh, <laughs> anthropomorphized uh, Philae and Rosetta program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doing it live. That was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> very, very incredible to watch Sega, that one. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> All right, is that the end? I think that's Space Corner. Let's come back to Earth. Uh, I wanted to bring up this story. I don't really care particularly about the movie itself, but uh, there's a new Jennifer Lawrence movie out, and it is on iTunes right now, So three weeks before its theatrical release. <laughs> Did we just skip number six? Yeah, we totally just skipped number six. We'll, we'll switch them. I, I, we're talking about this. They're officially switched. I skipped a number. You sure did, Rob. You sure did. <laughs> You're like, yeah, um, so I really wanted to talk about this. I'm like, really? Because that I doesn't really seem don't. like your cup of tea, Rob. I, I probably should have switched their order based on how much I care about them. Um, see, but see so- it's this tyrannical dictatorship. <laughs> this, this awful, the- that's, why, that's why there's a union, Rob. What I was doing was rolling with it. <laughs> Things yeah, happen I'll on the fly. <laughs> Trying to just power on like curiosity's powering on. Yeah. But no, no, I stopped you and now you're just a big old series. <laughs> hey, it's number six now. I know, right? <laughs> Carry it's on. Like it never happened. <laughs> um, oh, clearly. So this movie is I, I think it's interesting because we saw this with uh the interview. With obviously there was a hack, and then they ended up releasing on Google Play and iTunes and all these streaming services uh, the week before, leading up to the theatrical release of the interview. And now another movie uh, is doing the same thing with no impetus. I think it's sort of as a as a test because this movie wasn't getting a lot of press, and uh, so they're basically saying, "Here, let's try this model out with this less important movie." And so they put it on iTunes and other, I think there are other streaming services, but I didn't see any confirmation of that before actually releasing it into theaters. So I think they want to see how it's going to do before and then how it's going to do in theaters, having already been available for streaming beforehand, hmm. which I think is a really interesting experiment. So I want yeah, to get it's your really interesting experiment. Yeah. Basically agree. They don't really, they don't tend to do take risks like this, testing different things. They tend to stick to the status quo in Hollywood, but uh, actually, I think this movie might be an independent movie, and that's why they decided to do it. But I found well, it. How's Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence? I don't think that'd be independent. Why not? I don't know. Aren't independent movies usually bigger stars? Or 
not as big stars. But I mean, big stars sometimes do uh, less big movies. Well, I mean, apparently, suppose. Um, have you guys seen Good Night and Good Luck? No. Oh. Okay, so step one, watch that movie. <laughs> step two, I'll wait. No, um, <laughs> it was directed by George Clooney. Had some, if I'm recalling correctly, it had some big names in it. Okay. But, like, that was an independent film. It was, it remains to this day one of my favorite films ever because it really captures McCarthyism well. Uh, but, I mean, didn't make a whole lot of money. So, you're going by, like, political impact and things like that. I think they have a lot of power, but they're not box office superstars, I guess. Okay. Uh, so, it looks like it has four production companies. Yeah. This movie. <clears throat> if that helps. They're saying, uh, apparently it was filmed right after... Silver Linings Playbook, but before either of them came out and is just released two years later. Uh, it did not get very good ratings. <laughs> Maybe that's another reason why they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's like a nothing to lose type situation for yeah. them. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, we've, you can almost analog it to, to how Kickstarter is used as a precursor to widespread release in retail and, and that kind of thing. I don't know if you're going to start seeing this happen with more more movies that will be released first online to see interest, reactions, reviews, and then release it accordingly uh, to different areas. Say, like if more positive reviews are coming from the east, then they release it in more theaters there than in the west, or that kind of thing. Like, I think you can do a lot of statistics and analysis on reactions and uh, stats from. From online releases to hey, maybe help out. Right. Yeah. I don't... I think I would call this uh, a small uh, media company. It's apparently part owned by Mark Cuban. The production company, 2929 yeah. Entertainment. Yeah. It's certainly not a big Hollywood movie. Yeah, point is, it's not Sony or, or Paramount Pictures putting it out. Right. So I, I'm excited to see how it does because hopefully it'll actually make some money on the streaming business. And I, I, I don't, I have nothing against watching it. I like those two actors, and I, I thought they did well in Silver Linings Playbook. So interested to see what, uh, what's going on. Nick, I hear you have Bob. a story for us that you wanna, you wanna share. I really do. And that's why I was so confused when you're like, I really want to talk about this. And I was like, really? Rob wants to talk about coffee? Like, <laughs> it doesn't sound like something Rob would want to talk about. I know, right? Yeah, so uh, John, Silver, John Sylvan, creator of the much-beloved Keurig machine, has come out and said that he actually regrets inventing the Keurig brewer. Uh, I think his direct quote is, I don't know why people have it in their homes. <laughs> so, yeah, like his his original vision when he worked for Green Mountain uh, 
was more along the lines of something to put in like large office buildings or something like that. But he just does not, he cannot comprehend why they're doing it in, you know, individual homes just because it's so expensive compared to an actual cup of coffee. He himself uses a, uh, what do you call it? It's like one of those things. It's a carafe, but it's also a thermos. Okay. You basically brew the coffee directly into a thermos and it holds its heat for like 12 hours or something like that. So, you know. Okay. Much easier to deal with. Sorry, trying to screw with my bandwidth at the same time. Doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Did we lose Nick? Or are you messing around with bandwidth? I don't know. I'm still here. Nick, why don't you... Why don't you leave and come back and Mike will give his thoughts. Honestly, it's not going to get better. Nick, leave and come back. And All right, Mike. <laughs> Honestly. Mike. Um do you use these one thing, these K-cups or the Keurig or the Yeah. We use them at work. That's where we used to have one and we got rid of the machine cuz we just didn't use it that much. And it was expensive just using the little discs. And if you're going to have coffee every day, you may as well get a brewer. Um, and we only really got the one type of coffee. Like it wasn't, well, we actually use it for the lattes because they had okay. like the little milk cups with the espresso cup and then use both. Um, but we're actually now starting to just use a French press and it makes delicious coffee. Okay. Delicious yeah. coffee at a fraction of the cost, would you say? Yeah, I know. I, I would say that. <laughs> so how are we doing? Doing well, Nick. Glad to have you back. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so did we t- did we discuss the problem with the waste of the K-cups? Not yet. No, Mike was just discussing more of the economics and non-usefulness in his office. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, it's a K-cup is cheaper than going out and buying a cup of coffee fresh. But it's still far Depends more on than the you... coffee. Uh, if you're going to Starbucks, yes, maybe not. If you're just buying like a cup of plain black coffee with cream and milk in, or cream and sugar. No, well, like, wait, what? Do you, how do you buy a non-brand cup of coffee? Like, I don't mean non-brand. I mean like non-frappuccino, non-non Starbucks four-dollar drink. Starbucks sells normal brewed coffee too. I know they do. And Rob, it's a lot more affordable. Rob, I think you're a little out of your element here. Should I just stay out of this? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. All these fancy mochaccinos and frappuccinos and what you call a chino. I just don't understand it. Rob, you don't drink coffee. I know. It's all so baffling. <laughs> Old man Rob doesn't yep. drink coffee. But anyway, the more serious concern about the K-Cup is the sheer amount of waste it creates. Because, I mean, (laughs) you have an office building having maybe a couple cups of coffee a day. You have a home where the parents will frequently each have a cup of coffee in the morning. And that adds up to a lot of K-Cups going to the landfill. Um. Probably the best waste aversion I've heard of is uh, the Calgary office buildings with Keurig machines are saving their K-cups and giving them to a company in BC. 
which then burns the K-cups and uses the ash to make cement. Okay. And I mean, hmm. that's about the only good thing I could think of the K-cup being used for. That or, I mean, if we had garbage incinerators, we wouldn't have this problem. But, yeah, the hmm. K-cups, the official, like, its creator has come out and said he doesn't understand it. And frankly, neither do I. So confirmation bias may run rampant, and I'm so happy. So we have one of these things, <clears throat> and Julia uses it almost every day. I, I like to call them the devil machines. So what is so bad about it? Because it seems like if you get a cup of coffee in 10 or 15 seconds, what's bad about that? Well, I mean, I'll admit I started calling them devil machines, like without actually caring too much about them. Um, right. My biggest problem was that I bought an, an espresso machine, not a Nespresso machine, but an espresso machine, because that does create <laughs> difficulty with people. Um, yeah. And I just could not find equipment for the life of me. And okay. I actually asked the guy in charge of ordering for one of these places. Like it was a, it's like a supply store for kitchens and stuff like that. I can't right. think of the name, probably kitchen supply. Anyway, um, they, I was asking around about, it. they're like, Oh, go talk to what's his guy, Bob in the office in back. And I was like, well, I'm in Belleville. Sure. I guess I'm being sent to the office in back. And the guy's <laughs> like, Oh yeah, I mean we used to stock those things all the time because like people found them useful, but everyone's buying Keurig machines or Tassimos or whatever nowadays and nobody's buying actual espresso machines anywhere. So there's no point in stocking it. And I'm like, "All right, that makes a lot of sense." But I mean, inside I cursed the horrid Keurig machines yeah. because they were getting in the way of me and my coffee. Mm. But I mean, so, I mean, I don't have as big a problem as I might purport to, but I don't use them because I like to tinker with my coffee, like as a scientific person would do sometimes. Depends on the person, I guess. Details. Right. I like my personal view is that if you just give me the controls, I can make a cup of coffee that I will like better than a machine made cup of coffee or, you know, a Keurig pod. Same with, you know, drip brew, French press, espresso, what have you. I would just rather have the control myself. And I mean, there's also the factor of expense. Like it's just, it costs a lot more to use a pod than it does to just grind the coffee yourself or even just buy pre-ground coffee. Right. Yeah. Those are mostly my objections. But they, the environmental factor is, you know, a large enough concern. Going back to the original story, uh, I want to have a point made that he sold his ownership of the product for $50,000. So this, this article reeks of bitterness. <laughs> um, because I, I bet if he just got even like 0.1 cent per unit per cup sold, 
he'd probably be a millionaire by now. Are you sure yeah. it reeks of bitterness? Because selling it for 50 grand really does imply that he does not understand the hype behind it. I know, but that was in 1997. He sold it, yeah, a really long time ago. Still? So, you realize that they're ragingly popular now. <laughs> he didn't anticipate it to be that popular, which is why he sold it for that little. Right. If you realize how big it would be, he'd probably at least ask for a royalty, if not... Right. Just at least so sell you're it saying that had he retained intellectual property or royalties or something like that, he wouldn't be as confused by them as he is now. He'd be singing a different tune. <laughs> he wouldn't would be. He? I think you he could would be. still be fabulously wealthy off of it and say, "I actually do not understand this." But he wouldn't come out and say it if he was still making money off of it. He might. That'd be pretty dumb of him. If he'd He's... already cashed in on it. He sounds no, but he'd like be a pretty getting a practical royalty. guy. He does sound like a practical guy. I agree. Sounds like a bitter guy. <laughs> bitter like the grounds from a horrid <laughs> cake <laughs> I don't understand coffee at all, so I don't know if we're done with this. <laughs> I, I think we are. Yeah, we're we're done. I just um I'm gonna say balsam. Balsam. Not even the K-Cup creator understands it. <laughs> now I'm done. Fair enough. Uh, so, Mike, I, I'm already regretting this, but uh, what what happened at Mobile World Congress? <laughs> Ooh, is it Mobile Corner? I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to get into the individual devices or anything like that because I know nobody cares about that except for me. <laughs> um but, but I, you, I just, you can pick one, but don't just tell us about every device. Okay, if well, you find one that's interesting, that's fine. The main, the main exciting one that everyone was looking forward to is the Galaxy S6, and yeah. people were comparing it to the iPhone 6 already. And then the S6 Edge has the double curved edge screen thing, yeah, uh, which is cool. Uh, so yeah, S6 has had good reviews, um, but one of the big kind of themes this week has been virtual reality. If you guys have been following any sort of tech news, pretty much every day is like 10 articles on virtual reality. Yeah. I read the headlines. Um, and the, the initial impressions of the virtual reality have actually been very good. Um, now to clarify, this isn't augmented reality that we had been hearing about a couple of weeks ago with the HoloLens, um, yeah. and the Sony glasses, that kind of thing. Yeah. This is virtual reality where it's a completely immersive experience that replaces your it surroundings. It fills your entire field of view, yeah. not, not it's, it's, gives a transparent lens through it. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's not only that, but like the HoloLens still is an entire thing, but it's no, projecting... No, but I mean, it, opaque. It's, it's an opaque, complete field of view. Right, but the whole thing is that it doesn't even take your surroundings and add things to it. It replaces right. it and puts you in like a jungle or... Yeah under the water or that kind of thing. It doesn't project a screen onto a wall the way a HoloLens does. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, so they've released a couple devices. Again, I'm not going to go through them all, but the main thing is that it looks to be the next kind of uh, big thing with gaming um, because the game developers conference, I guess, happened this week as well. And I think new stories from both kind of blended into each other and I was never sure which one was from which until yesterday when I realized that the game developers one was happening too. Right. Um, but there are virtual reality systems announced at both. 
And both were kind of uh, along the same lines as far as a very impressive, immersive experience that utilized uh, cameras and sensors on the unit itself and was able to kind of just change the game, so to speak. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know, I think it'd be really cool to try out a virtual reality. The only one I've ever done is the Virtual Boy back in, like, the 90s that they used to have. Right. I don't know if you guys ever tried that, but... I didn't try that. It's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it sounds like a really interesting technology. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also going to say that, Mike, don't be self-conscious about your interests. Because because I don't understand the enthusiasm over half of yours and Rob's stories. But I'm always happy to talk with you about them. That makes me feel good. Don't worry. We, we've got your back at the union, buddy. Thanks. The, the only concern that I've ever had about talking about these kinds of stories is that it, it seems like sometimes it devolves into just, and this was released, and this was released, and this was released. But I like I prefer to talk about like, the overall trends of things or specific things you liked yeah as opposed to just a list of the smartwatches yeah. that were released or the, the oh there's heart there was a smartwatch release too yeah yeah but have let's you, talk about virtual reality first have you looked at your list of topics rob <laughs> and this happened and this happened and this happened it's philosophically not that different <laughs> no but each one is a discussion it's not just like there was another watch there was another virtual reality headset like what's cool about it well, Why we, we could go into that depth of discussion if we wanted to and we have been really we're trying to right now <laughs> yeah you're you're getting in the way nick <laughs> you are too rob i know <laughs> Jeez, Rob. so you guys virtual reality what what's your take on it i said my piece it sounds neat like especially uh, <laughs> for a gaming like from a game perspective yeah rob would you buy a virtual reality system as a gaming device in the same way an xbox i would rather have having not really ever i've never owned an xbox the most advanced console i've owned is a super nintendo uh you played matt's playstation xbox was that xbox i I said i've played it i've just never owned one pedantics i never i've never bought a game for instance i've played some of the few games that he has i prefer to just sort of explore like when i play grand theft auto i just like run around shooting things and blowing stuff up that's what virtuality is based for that's no i know so that's (laughs) what i'm saying is that i like the exploration aspect yeah so i think but i think i would like augmented reality more than virtual like fully virtual reality i think i'd rather have an overlay on real life hmm there obviously maybe maybe the the best thing you could have would be best of both worlds kind of thing like you could have a hololens type interface where you can interact with things projected onto your real life but where you could also like a thing would come down and you you'd be totally shut off from the world and would just have like a fully immersive experience you could switch between depending on the context whether you want it to be augmented or completely virtual uh that being said I haven't tried one, but I've heard from a lot of people that it's a really neat experience to do virtual reality. So I, I would certainly be willing to try. I just having never done it, I, I can't offer anything in the way of sort of an analysis of what it, what it would be like. Hmm. Rob, do you remember that cell phone game that your one friend created? You could like drop banana peels and throw dynamite and whatnot. 
my friend created. I thought it was a friend of yours or like a friend of a friend or something. I don't think so. I want to say it was called like Moby something. Moby something? Yeah. I don't know. You eventually deleted it because you said it took way too much of your cell phone battery. Like you would just wander around and if you happened upon like a banana peel that someone had left, you would lose points or something like that. Uh, this sounds like Mario Kart. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't remember that. Really? I could have swore it was from your summer of George or that time. Are you thinking of Curious George? <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I legitimately don't certain. know what you're talking about. I'm not thinking about, about liter- Curious. Are George. you looking up your Gmail history right now? <laughs> No, I just thought, I don't know. I don't get it. Moby something? Yeah. I don't know. Huh. Okay. I don't know. It was on on my HTC Desire at one point. The game was? Yeah. It was basically like it was augmented reality. Because you were just playing the game at all times. And you could wander into traps from other people and stuff like that. Oh, I do remember. Yes. Yes. I don't know that it was a friend, but I, it was introduced to me by a friend. Oh, that okay. game. Yes, I do. I, that was almost like location-based virtual reality. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, I do remember that very vividly, and I have no idea what it was called. <laughs> me neither. I'm going to look it up, and uh, I really, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. Mike, Do you want? are you trying to keep us on track right now? Is that, or do you want us to stay on virtual reality? I was, we can be done with that, you guys. I think we're, we're all No, I'm going to come back to it, because I do want to talk about that game. I just want to find it. Is that cool? I'm going to find it. Yeah, yeah okay, so... so- Nick, in the meantime, why don't you tell us about your very science and tech-related news item? Um, So it's not just science and tech we talk about here. It's the future. (laughs) And uh, part of future and technology and science is the science of having fun? (laughs) Sure, we'll go with that. (laughs) Anyway, so I have just heard about this, but... Slide the City is planning to bring a giant slip and slide to Calgary. A 300 meter padded vinyl slide to be set up on 10th Street next to Riley Park. So is that 10th Street? Oh, wait, no. It's Probably coming down from State down into Kensington. 10th Street. Oh, West. that would be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, would be amazing. They have like uh, what appears to be a roof or something like that to keep you in the tube somehow still while traffic is driving past (laughs) (laughs) i'm i remain hopeful that they'll you know shut down the thing (gasps) i might know what street that is it's right up from the safeway you know where the safeway is on 10th street and the second cup off the lrt sunnyside station oh sunnyside like i'm thinking because when you go just past sunnyside on the tuscany line you go like over top of this one street 
that looks like it would be just perfect for a slip yeah, and slide. Yeah, that's that. That's that street. <gasps> this is going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tickets to ride will cost between $15 and $65. And I want to do this so badly. What do we think? Is that 300 meters? That sounds long. That it's, does sound kind of long. Yeah, it's... Well, I don't know. I'm assuming it'll be over before you know it, but... I'm stoked. <laughs> if it's that steep of a hill, it'll go fast. Yeah. You can see, like, it's... It's not even half a kilometer. <laughs> <laughs> Is that our new <laughs> baseline? <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I mean... What do you do? Like, take your keys with you? Because... <laughs> Like you just, need like a gondola up to the I'll top have, or something. Have, or my bike wait, have my bike waiting for me at the bottom so I can go back to the top and get stuff. Yeah. Oh, sounds so cool. <laughs> and I just found out about this. Apparently this is not news. It's, it's a good update for those who may have forgotten about it. Because I forgot about it until you posted it. So it's a good okay. thing you mentioned it again. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're all so happy. Yeah. So to tie this into tech, if you wore a GoPro while going down the slip and slide, that'd be you pretty would good. Be, you would be wearing... <laughs> Actually, uh, I just heard a story about GoPro. They are... I don't know what the company's name is, whether it's GoPro or not, but uh, they have made the list of top short-sold companies recently. Hmm. Yeah. As in uh, they don't trust it to maintain its popularity? Uh, they do not. Yeah. Investors are skeptical. They think it it will either just, you know, reek of a fad and be done soon, or alternatively become a toaster. So the idea there being that toasters have become just ubiquitous, and it's really hard to make money off of a toaster, and so not many people make toasters anymore because they're just not profitable. But everyone needs one. But there's no profit. We don't have a toaster. How do you toast toast? We have a toaster oven. Oh. It's kind of the same idea. (laughs) I don't know. Like, you use it a lot for... Well, I use it a lot instead of the actual oven because it takes less power. And it's great for making mini pizzas. It's true. We got rid of ours. Took up too much space. The oven? Yeah, I could see that. Toaster you only oven. really need the... T- what? <laughs> <laughs> the oven. I, uh... So how's how's your quest going, Rob? It's not going well. I have downloaded so many iPhone apps over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I just started at the beginning, and I think I'm at, like, 2012, maybe 2013. I think you're past. Yeah. I might be past. And I, I didn't see anything that would have fit that description. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep looking for that. Because that was a yeah. really cool app that let you like you could throw watermelons, I believe, and it would try to I wonder if do we talk about it on Google Plus? Maybe we could go back and look at conversations there. I don't know that we did. Let's let's put it in follow up and we can Yeah. Come back to it. Oops. I guess. Tell us all what app to download and try it out. Speaking of apps, Rob, why don't you tell us about the streaming app we're we're testing out today? 
that's that's that was news to me this week. Yeah, we can do that. Just the app itself. Uh, so there's an app called Meerkat, which I I don't I still don't really understand. Um, basically, I'm I I don't want to use a metaphor because I think it's kind of overdone. But the closest thing I can sort of think to it to get people in the right frame of mind is Snapchat. Um, but basically what you do, you open the app and it's very simple. There's a button to, or there's a field where you can enter a title for your live stream. There's a button where you can schedule a live stream and there's a button where you could start a live stream. So like I can open up my Meerkat app. Uh, I can title it. I'm in future chat and uh, hit stream and it just starts streaming whatever's going on and it automatically it's hooked up to twitter so anytime you tweet something or sorry anytime you start the stream it'll send a tweet along with a link to the stream and people can join it and we were doing this i was doing this earlier i stopped about 45 minutes in because it seemed pointless and <laughs> there's nobody actually there uh but it's it's interesting because it it's sort of ubiquitous and there's a there's a systematic way to see what live streams are happening. So if you if there's people on Twitter, you can look for a certain stream starting and you can just watch people do something or like the way I see it being useful is if you're at a press conference or something or you're you're watching someone give a talk, you could just stream the talk. And be like this is hey, this is really cool and this is happening right now. Hmm. Uh it could work like during protests or during any any sort of live news event as well would be a pretty good uh, way to use this. So I I don't know. I'm interested. Th- this is sort of my first opportunity I've had to actually try it out and do something. Like where I'm doing something that pe- people would watch and I wouldn't feel really uncomfortable. I could just like stream myself sitting at my desk working, but that's pointless. But this is actually like this is already a stream, so it makes sense if I'm just talking. I'm not talking to nobody. I'm talking to you guys. But uh, I certainly see the appeal of it if, like, Barack Obama wanted to do it. He could schedule a stream and people could listen to him just reaching out to everybody. Now, YouTube offers live streaming as well, right? They have some semblance of live streaming, yes. Okay. But it's not as instantaneous and spontaneous as... It's not as instantaneous. As far as I know, you can't do it on a phone. Okay. Uh, yeah. You can do a hangout on air, and I believe I believe there's a YouTube only equivalent of that. Uh, but you need a certain. I think it's a thousand subscribers to do, like a through YouTube live, live only event. Uh, maybe not. Maybe I. I think it's just it's different, and like I prefer the functionality of hangouts on air because you can have other people and all that. But you can. I'm pretty sure you can just live stream your camera, whatever it is it's connected to your computer to. Hmm. It's fine. It's fun though. Yeah. I'm enjoying seeing what happens with Meerkat and talking to some people on the internet about it. A lot of the tech press has joined up and immediately started doing a stream just to test what's going on. And I'm sure we'll find some usefulness and it notifies you every time someone you follow starts a stream. Yeah. So it's nice that it's integrated with Twitter because it's people are already on Twitter, so you don't you you have an immediate user base almost. You don't have yeah. to try to harvest your own yeah 
users. And we we were saying earlier when you leave a comment on the the, the stream, it sends a tweet with the comment as well, so it keeps yeah. everything in line and and intact. Yeah, it's pretty cool. When when people would click on that tweet, they'll get directed to the Meerkat stream. Right. So it's like a self advertising thing that way too. Yeah, and if I leave a comment on my own stream, it will be in reply to the tweet, and so anyone who sees the original tweet will also see the rest of the stream. Rest yeah. of the conversation. Definitely interesting. Uh, so I guess quickly we'll go to the last story I have here. Uh, doctors, uh, the World Health Organization, I guess the the medical. Is this your health corner? There. I think this is your health corner for this week, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. There's, it's just one story. Yeah, GMOs too. Yeah, but that wasn't health corner. <laughs> uh, so. The WHO has, is recommending that sugar intake should only be make up 5 to 10% of the calories that you intake every day. And basically, again, reiterating that we eat too much sugar as a society, especially in the, in the first world, in the Western countries, um, which is absolutely true. And people should obviously heed this. It, it's, it, it really is a warning. Like, watch out. All these health effects we're suffering is from... Uh, Things like obesity and tooth decay are from sugar. That's pretty much unequivocal at this point. And there's a lot more sugar in stuff than people realize, I think, as well. Does it say what we're taking right now as far as the daily percentage? Does it give a number? Uh, not that I can see here. Uh, they say that uh, it's about 25 grams of sugar per day for an adult which is like it is very very easy to get to mm-hmm. Um, yeah 12 teaspoons seems low 12 teaspoons is apparently 10% That's tw- so, yeah. I have two things to say about this. Yeah. Um one good uh, good catch on the news cycle there, Rob, that North Americans Thanks. eat too much sugar. That's that's uh, that's revolutionary stuff and I'm glad someone is talking about it. Thank you. And two I cannot find this anywhere in my history. This this app Neither can I. that we both had <laughs> like that's the entire time that I was just sitting there quiet. I was looking and I, I can't find it. Yeah. I see no reference to it. Like, did it just die and it's not there anymore? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Should, uh, you should start a chain of emails going back, you know, the person who recommended it to, to you and to them and to them, et cetera, until we find the creator and find out what the devil happened to it. Yeah. I'll have to talk to Carolyn and see if she remembers anything. A lot of Carolyn follow up this week. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Second or third time she's been required. Huh. Yeah. So we should eat less sugar is what I'm hearing. We should eat. eat uh, yeah. 
less sugar and instead of eating sugary things, we should eat things that don't have sugar in them. Hmm. So my beloved hummus is safe is what I'm hearing. Yes. Because there's no added sugar in hummus. But it's not added sugar. Just sugar. Yeah, sugar at all. Oh, just like straight up sugar in yeah. all its forms. Yeah. Yeah. That, that That's what I've been thinking this whole time since you mentioned this story is that's really hard if that includes all it's sugar. It's really, really hard. Yeah. Is like, it though? If, you're, if yes. you cut out, say, juice and pop, then, or just sugar drinks, then that's good. If you cut out, like, candy and cake and ice cream, that's good too. I mean, I yeah. eat those, but it's not habitually. Right. So, so yeah, usually... from a habitual basis, it's probably mainly just pop and juice that people would tend to be drinking also, that. Would like cause some that. bread, like apparently whole grain bread is better, but like the white bread you get usually has a lot of added sugar in it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm really, I'm going to find this app. <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea where it is. It's all I can think about now. Yeah, oh. it no, it really is all I'm going to think about until I find it. So if any of our viewers are aware of which app this is, let us know. So please, please let us know. Th- this app is it's lo- it was location based and you add friends and you can if you're if you are somewhere, you can like drop a banana peel there and if anyone else comes to that location, they will slip on your banana peel and lose points. And you could like you could throw watermelons to yeah, the, a location the more points you got you'd get better things with like increased yeah. range and uh splash area i guess yeah like, i think i was up to dynamite or something at one point i was working right. towards icbms yeah <sighs> that would be so much fun <laughs> to play right now especially <laughs> now that batteries are better i know <laughs> I just oh. I want to know when it was so that it would be easier to target because right now I'm like sometime in the last four to five years. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, are we done for the week? Can I go and figure out where this app is? I was gonna I like so. we, we're we're effectively done. Like two thirds of us are just completely off the rails now. Yeah, I think. There's one thing in the after show that we have to talk about, though. All right. Well, we'll end it right now, then. Okay. Uh, thank you for joining us for future chat, as always. I'd especially like to thank Audible.com once again for helping support the podcast. Don't forget to help us out by visiting audible.futurechat.me right now to start your free 30-day trial with a free audiobook. We will be back next week. Actually, that being said, uh, we will not be back next week. <laughs> I was just reading and not thinking. Uh, we'll talk about that in the after show uh, with more science tech talk we will be back but not next week uh, in the meantime if you have a few minutes what I want you to do this week is go and like us on Facebook uh, we don't have very many likes on Facebook we don't care about Facebook but we want to care about Facebook especially Mike and uh, maybe we can talk about that too uh, and you can find past episodes and more at futurechat.me on the web see you guys next time Bye. Bye, guys. Okay. What's up after show style? Okay. Well, Nick has a story for us. That Do I? He was, he was supposed to tell me oh, on Friday right. or Thursday.
Yeah, so I was meeting Mike at uh, Core, just outside the McDonald's in Core, and Mike says to me, "Oh, you looking, uh, you looking sketchy and fitting in." And I said, "I actually have a story about that. Remind me." And, <laughs> and then I didn't. <laughs> well, I forgot because I always forget. But no, it was when uh, Kaya was working at Chapters. Uh, it was one of the first times I went to visit her. I think before we were dating, even. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rob will remember a day when I had longish hair and mutton chops. And how is that also- different from right now? <laughs> I was gonna say, like, <laughs> well, that day my, today? Hair's, my hair's longer, and I have a full beard now. Okay, okay. And I also dressed similarly. I'm pretty sure I had the same. No, I didn't have the same Ubuntu backpack, but. <laughs> You know, backpack, plaid. It wasn't as nice a plaid back then, but it was plaid. Right. Anyway, so uh, Kai was friends with the security guard there. And I had gone to visit her and left. And he came up to her afterwards like, hey, so you know that guy? That guy was with you? And she's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, <laughs> oh, okay. She looked at him like, did you did you think he was going to steal something? <laughs> The guy looks at him. He's like, eh, he had that look about him. (laughs) (laughs) What look? (laughs) Like a possibly homeless person that wandered in and wants to steal things. (laughs) If so, maybe I should rethink this look. (laughs) Oh, man. For for what it's worth, I was walking up to him, and he was standing outside the McDonald's, just standing there, kind of looking back and forth. Right. He, he did look quite sketch. Of course. If if I didn't know any better, I would say that guy looks quite sketch. I was getting a lot of sideways looks, which is great. <laughs> I was wearing my CGP Grey hoodie and everything, <laughs> giving CGP Grey a horrible name. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's my story. Yeah. It's a good story. It's a good story, yeah. So, so tell us why we're not going to be there next week, Rob. All right. So uh, there's a couple things coming up. Uh, I was asking the guys for some time to work on projects. And uh, it as well corresponds with Julia's birthday, which is going to occupy my Saturday in a few weeks' time. And I, so I thought, uh, having completed one year's worth of weeks of episodes, although we have passed the one-year mark since starting this show... Um, Thought it would be a good time to end season, what we're saying, end season one of Future Chat and give a nice jumping off point starting season two in April. So I think it's three weeks, but I might be wrong. But it's the first Saturday in April. We'll be back. Um, yeah, just give people a nice jumping off point and provide us with a few weeks to use our Saturday mornings for something other than a live stream. <laughs> but but what will I do? This is, can, this is what I do talk. on Saturday mornings. Nick. Hey. <laughs> do I Nick really will... want to talk with you if it's not being recorded, Rob? Are we even sure of that anymore? I don't know that you want to talk to me when, even if it is being recorded. I think once per week is the most you can handle. <laughs> Nick will host our union meetings, and then we'll kind of get our our act together and kind of come up with a game plan. <laughs> That sounds great. Okay. We should think of demands. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs>
I should probably go soon because I need to apparently oh, going to Longview. Gonna buy some jerky. You you have to wave at me as you drive past Stony Trail on Deerfoot. I I will. I will try to remember okay. to do that. Also, just on the note of meat, have I told you guys about the butchery at Sate? No. I think you told me about it. They have a butcher slash charcuterie program. And so every week between 11 and 1, they open a little debitor credit only window. Okay. And they sell the most amazing things. Like you get 100 grams of jerky for between 250 and 350. They have different flavors, different weeks, and it's just so wonderful. Now, you, you said this is a charcuterie butchery program? Yeah. I I bet they have quite a hard state class in that program. Well, it is Alberta. Yeah. So better better watch when you pick the pepper sauce for They actually they were selling uh, dry aged steaks this week for thirty three bucks a kilo. So I did not buy any. Yeah, that sounds expensive. Well, it's also dry aged. I mean process takes time and money yeah um bucks well a kilo. i mean i don't know i've been really impressed with sate like 16 bucks a pound holy cow <laughs> it's expensive but i've been really impressed with them because they have the butchery and they have the four nines which is under a restaurant operated by their culinary program and it's just they make such delicious things and it's good yeah. training for them and it uh it's cheap and delicious for me and like everyone benefits they also have a a restaurant downtown i was gonna say yeah right well right above the mcdonald's is yeah there's their satellite culinary campus yeah it's just spectacular i'm so impressed we should do like (laughs) for the ndt program we should just do like cheap ndt (laughs) so that you can train the workers just be like yeah the students are doing their uh magnetic particle inspection course you uh you got any welds you need checked (laughs) (laughs) uh it's like yeah we can't like possibly certify their work but uh they'll look and find any like glaring errors (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that'd be great yeah I, so, yeah, I just that, tried to get in contact with Carolyn, and uh, she's not at home, so I don't know that she'll answer, but I'm going to oh, get this man. answer about this app. <laughs> I am so happy. That is going to be the first item in follow-up next week, right? Well, in April. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Uh, it's going to throw everything off. Oh, I guess I'll do, like, I don't know. East meets West or something. Something like that. Could uh, could talk about my recent series on yeah, and equations of all the, all the candidates. Yep. Oh, man. Boy, did that one guy go off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> and to no one in particular. Wait, the Twitter was, guy or the Facebook guy? The Twitter guy. The Twitter guy. Okay. The Facebook guy is a friend of mine. Like, I thought okay. his stuff was fairly balanced. But, right. But, like, Twitter guy was just... 
It's like ranty. time conspiracy theory categories. Yeah. I like or, that picture of Stephen Harper in handcuffs. That was a nice touch. Yeah, like that's the only was... picture you can find of him actually. <laughs> Should have gotten a nice picture of him looking up and to the right gleefully. <laughs> yeah. I also like I published the tr- the Trudeau post and the views for all of the like the posts in the series just shot right up. Oh wow. People like so I'm like or hate them. Factor one, I'm probably in a certain demographic that's reading these, which is, you know, <laughs> young people. And factor two, I feel like it supports my hypothesis that he's good looking and charismatic, so he's gonna do well because that's how politics work. Because like yeah. I published posts on Harper and Mulcair and people were like, eh. And then I published one on Trudeau and they're like, Trudeau? Well, I'm going to read all about him. Hey, Rob. You can't hear me right now. Because I'm not actually in the hangout. But I just want you to know. I love you both, you and Mike. And I'm looking forward to being with you soon. That's it, Rob. Oscar-nominated films. There's something for every taste on audible.com. <laughs> to download your free audiobook today, you can go to audible.futurechat.me. Again, that's audible.futurechat.me for your free audiobook. 